Well, good morning. Just from our staff, I just want to say thank you for the words of encouragement, the notes, the cards, the text, uh, the gifts, the reception we had last week. Thank you for showing uh, your appreciation to us, and it is a privilege and an honor to serve together at Red House Baptist Church. So thank you so much uh, for the appreciation you've shown to us, and we really felt it, and we're greatly appreciative. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 27 to 42, a very familiar story, Jesus with the woman at the well. And we're concluding the series entitled, What is it going to take for us to become the people in the church that God wants us to be? So far, we've talked about the need to align with God's vision. We've talked about the need to live a life defined by obedience. We talked about how if we're going to truly follow Jesus, we have to do it without excuse and whatever the cost. And today, I want to share with you that if we're going to become the people, and if we want to become the church that God wants us to be, we have to recognize that we must be willing to share Jesus and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, Tim had no idea what I was going to be speaking on this morning, but his prayer was very appropriate for this message. Because we live in a world and a nation that is without hope. We live in a world and a nation that needs to go from death to life. And we are the ones as believers in Jesus Christ that have that answer. We have the gospel. Let me define with you starting with what is the gospel. The Greek word for gospel is evangelio. It means good news. The gospel, the good news, as defined by Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, is that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And I would say that's not only good news, that is great news. There is no better news than Jesus rising again from the grave and that the tomb is empty. There's no better news than Jesus, the perfect Son of God, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for your sin and my sin, and rose again on that third day. Without the gospel, we'd be lost and we'd be without hope. And this is the case, as I said, for many in our world and many in our country, many in our state, and even for many right here where we live in Madison County. There are many who are living in darkness, many who are living in hopelessness and need to be shown the light of Jesus. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the United States has become the fourth largest mission field in the world. I didn't say the fourth largest country to send missionaries to other countries. There are now countries sending missionaries here to the United States to win people to Jesus Christ. Right here in Madison County, only 30% of the people in Madison County go to church on a regular basis. And now Lifeway has defined someone who goes to church twice a month as going on a regular basis. Can you imagine if you were committed to going to work twice a week? Would you be considered a regular? If you, well, I'm not going to say if you wanted to go to school twice a week. A lot of students would jump at that. But, but if you were only to go to school twice a week, would you be considered a student who, who is always present? The answer is no. But we've come to a point where we've defined as someone who is regular in church as someone who goes twice a month. And only 30% of the residents in Madison County go to church twice a month. Less than 12% of the people in Madison County have a relationship with Christ. And you say, well, I thought we lived in the Bible Belt. I would say to you, we did, but we no longer do. 
12% of the 80,000 that live in Madison County admit they have a relationship with Christ. And for middle school and high school students, it's even lower than that. Only 5% of high school and middle school students admit that they have a living and acting relationship with Jesus Christ. So from these stats, you can see that we do not have to go very far to spread the good news, to spread the gospel of Jesus. And if people need the gospel, and if we have the gospel, it is incumbent upon us as followers of Christ to share the gospel. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are God's only plan for sharing the good news of Jesus. We are His plan A. There is no plan B when it comes to sharing Christ. We are it. And if we don't share Jesus, no one else will. And we must understand that we no longer live in a culture where you can say to people, come and hear. Come to my church and hear about Jesus. We live in a culture now where we must go and tell people about Jesus. We need to have a sense of urgency. We need to have a sense of intentionality in regards to sharing Jesus because we never know when we or someone else may take their last breath and depart from this life into eternity. And we know what happens when someone departs from this life into eternity without Christ. They spend eternity in a place called hell. And I don't know if you've thought about it, but eternity is a long time. Eternity never ends. And eternity is a long time for someone to die without Jesus and without hope. We also have no idea when Jesus is going to return. The Bible makes it very clear that one day Jesus is going to come back a second time to call those who know him into his presence forever. But the only way that you can be called forever into the presence of God is if you've given your life to God through Jesus Christ. So if we're saying that we are truly followers of Jesus, we must be willing to share Jesus. And this morning, I want to challenge us to be an effective witness, to be a consistent witness in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the passage that shows us exactly of how urgent the gospel is, is is John chapter 4, specifically verses 27 to 42. But before we get to that, I want to give you some background information to put things in perspective. As we get into John chapter 4, the Pharisees, they were rising in opposition to Jesus. They resented the popularity of Jesus. They resented his message because it challenged their teaching. And guys, I think you have a, a map of, the, of Israel. But if you have a map of Israel, let me put on my glasses to see. If you have a map of Israel, if you want to go from Judea to Galilee, you had, there's no way you could pass directly through, go to Samaria unless you pass directly through Samaria. But the Jews had such a disdain for the Samaritans that they would cross the Jordan River and go all the way up to Galilee in order to get where they wanted to go. They refused to go through Samaria. Many of the Jews did. But Jesus left Jerusalem and he traveled toward Galilee through Samaria. Why is this significant? Because most Jews didn't want to do that. They didn't like the Samaritans. Why did they not like the Samaritans? It goes back to 721 B.C. when Shalmaneser of Assyria, when he dominated the northern kingdom of Israel and destroyed them. 
And what he did is, is what the Assyrians did. They would take Jews and they would exile them to Assyria. And then they would put some of their people in the northern kingdom of Israel. And what happened there is the Jews in the northern kingdom began to intermarry with the Assyrians. And the, the, the pure Jews who were in the southern kingdom considered them half-breds. They considered them not pure. They said that they had betrayed their nation because they had married people from another nation. So at all costs, they would do everything that was possible to avoid Samaria. Not just the city of Samaria, but that whole region of Samaria. And they were willing to go to great lengths, even crossing the Jordan River and traveling up the east side until they got to the section of Galilee and crossed back over. But you see, why did Jesus go through Samaria? He went through Samaria because he knew he had a divine appointment with the Samaritan woman waiting. He also went through Samaria because he wanted to teach his disciples a lesson. So at noon, he stopped in a town in Samaria called Zachar at Jacob's well. Jesus was tired and probably hungry, it says in verse 7. And as, as Jesus was there with, at the well, the disciples decided, you know what, Jesus? We're going to go and get food while you wait here. But while at the well, there was a Samaritan woman who came with a water jug, empty. And while she went to the well to, to get water, she encountered Jesus. And in the course of his conversation with this woman, Jesus invites her to taste of the living water. Jesus invites her to have eternal life. And Jesus also revealed the sin in her life in verse 17. Jesus told her, he said, you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not even your husband. From that, she thought Jesus was a prophet. But in verse 26, she also believed that Jesus, that the Messiah, that the Christ was coming. And Jesus revealed to her in verse 26, Jesus said, shocker, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm the one you're looking for. And so this is where we pick up this conversation in verse 27 of John chapter 4. And from this passage, I want to share with you four things that are necessary if we're going to be serious about sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's look at John chapter 4, beginning with verse 27. Just then his disciples had arrived. Remember, they went to get food. They were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want or what are you, why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the men, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. He said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I did. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. They told the woman, we no longer believe 
because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. The first thing I want to share with you is if we're going to be the people in the church that God wants us to be, we must understand that sharing Jesus requires us to overcome barriers. You see, after returning from Zakar, where the disciples purchased food, they were shocked, the scripture says. They were amazed that Jesus was talking with a Samaritan woman because Jewish leaders, religious leaders, they rarely spoke to women in public. And some Jews even went so far as to believe that for a rabbi to talk with a woman, even his own wife was at best a waste of time and at worst a distraction from the study of the Torah. I want to make it clear. I vehemently disagree that talking with my wife is a waste of time. I value my life. I value my marriage. But that's what some of the Jews believed, that talking to a woman was a waste of time. It was a distraction. It was a diversion. But then you add to this that this was a Samaritan woman. And we can see with the disciples' background is why they were surprised. But you know what Jesus did? He broke down the cultural barrier. He broke down the ethnic barrier. And Jesus broke down the sin barrier as he was speaking to a Samaritan woman who was living a life of sin. And if we're going to share the gospel with others, there are barriers that we are going to have to overcome. And we have to understand that the gospel is for everyone. And you may have to come overcome the barrier of pride. You may, may get in your mind that it's a waste of time for some people to hear the gospel because they're not going to listen anyway. Or maybe they don't deserve Jesus. Look at how they live their life. I want to share with you this morning that no one is beyond the reach of God. I want to share with you this morning that no one can out the grace of God. And you and I, when it comes down to it, don't deserve Jesus either. All of us are sinners in need of a Savior. And God can bring anyone from death to life. God can bring ashes to beauty as we sang about. God can bring graves into gardens. Maybe this morning you need to overcome the barrier of pride to share Jesus. And I want us to think about that if we don't think somebody else deserves Jesus, we need to think to ourselves that we didn't deserve Jesus either. We also need to overcome the barrier of fear. We may be afraid of what questions may be asked. We may be afraid that we're going to be rejected or we're afraid of how a person is going to respond. That's why it's so important for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. But we also need to understand if someone rejects the gospel, they're not rejecting us, but they're in fact rejecting Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 10, 16, he said, Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. In the summer of 2012, me and some youth leaders took some high school students to Philadelphia. I had no idea what we were getting into when we agreed to work with a certain church planner in the city of Philadelphia. He took us to one of the, the fourth most dangerous intersection in the United States. When we got there, he said, I hate to tell you, but cops don't even like to come here. And we're like, oh boy. When we drove up to that intersection, we were thankful there were two cop cars that were there. We were not so thankful a few moments later as those cop cars drove away. We're like, oh my goodness. 
But we had students and we had adults from this church standing on those street corners and standing at those bus stations sharing the gospel with Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We even led some people to Jesus because of what we were doing. We even had one student that was physically attacked by someone while we were praying. But you know what? We didn't keep fear from sharing the gospel of Jesus to people who needed to hear it. And just because you don't have the gospel evangelism doesn't mean you are excused from evangelizing. I don't have the gift of mercy, if you haven't noticed. But that doesn't excuse me from showing mercy. Just because you don't have the gift of evangelism doesn't excuse you or me from evangelizing. There are tools that can help us share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you know some of them. There's the three circles you've heard about. There's the admit, believe, confess, and commit that you've heard about. You can share Jesus with John 3, 16. But there's a very simple way I want to just briefly show you this morning you should share the gospel, and it is called using the gospel as an acronym. Guys, if you have that slide, go ahead and put that up. But this is a simple way to share the gospel. And this is what we've taken our students through and what we're continuing to do. And I want to share with you, this is a very simple method. All you have to do is ask someone, what do you think it takes to go to heaven? Or if you die tonight, are you 100% sure you will go to heaven? Or, or something like, if you were to stand before God and he asked you why I should let you into heaven, what would you say? And then you ask him if you can share what the Bible says. And this is very simple. You can share, gee, God created us to be with him. Oh, our sins separated us from him. S, sins can't be removed by good deeds. P, paying the price for our sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him will have eternal life. And life with, eternal with Jesus starts right now. That's a very simple way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then you say, does what I shared with you make sense? Do you have any questions? And if I've shared with you what makes sense, do you want to ask Jesus into your life right now? And let me say this, never share the gospel without giving people an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Never share the gospel without giving someone an opportunity to say yes to Christ. And never share the gospel without explaining to someone how the gospel has changed your life. You and I have a testimony of how Jesus changed our life when we put our faith in Him. And we should be willing to share His story of what He did for us through Jesus and then sharing our story of what Jesus has done in our lives because of what Jesus did for us. A very simple way to share the gospel. I think times we complicate the gospel. We make it too difficult for people. The gospel is very simple. What did God do for us and what has he done for me? And when you can tell people how God has changed your life, that may make a difference in their life and bring them to the point of asking Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. So I encourage you to maybe think of a method or, or choose a method that's easy for you and right for you. There are all kinds of ways to share the gospel, but don't overcomplicate it. There's also the barrier of discouragement. There's people who've shared and shared and not seen any results, and they say, 
what's the use? I've shared and I've shared and no one's come to know Christ. Or this person I've shared with many times, they've, they've refused Christ all these times. What's the use? I won't talk more about that later. There's also the barrier of culture saying that we can't relate to the culture. We can't speak their language. In 2013, we took a group of students to Costa Rica to work with the Southern Baptist Missionary. One of our tasks was go door to door sharing the gospel in Spanish. You remember a few weeks ago, I said I took two years of Spanish in high school and it made no difference. This was another instance where I wish I would have paid attention. But we had to go door to door sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in neighborhoods and villages of Costa Rica. And yes, we had a translator, but oftentimes the translator would say, your turn. And we're like, okay, what do we say? But I tell you what, through that experience, we saw people come to Christ who, I don't have no idea what we said to them. But they came to know Jesus. Why? Because we were willing to do the work and we were relying upon the Holy Spirit. Don't use culture boundaries and barriers as a result of not sharing Jesus. There's also the barrier of maybe race or prejudice. But I share with you the gospel is for all people in all places. The gospel is inclusive. It leads no one out. Scripture says Jesus died for everyone who would receive him. John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, not some, but everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. The key to overcoming barriers, I'll give you two ways. One is relying on the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, before Jesus ascended into his heaven, into heaven and leave, left the disciples, he said, I'm going to leave my power to you so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The second way to overcome barriers is to build bridges, to find something in common with those you are sharing with. Seize the moment to turn the conversation into a spiritual dialogue, into a conversation about the true and living God. And that's exactly what Paul did in Acts 17 when he was in Athens. He went through Athens and he saw all these altars to all these gods. And he came across an altar that said, unknown God. And he said, you know what, I have a bright idea. They may not know who this God is, but I do. And I'm going to share with them that the God that they think is unknown is the God that I know. And I'm going to tell them about the true and living God so that may, they may come to know him. Paul took what was in their culture, what was in his surroundings, turned it into a spiritual conversation to tell those people about Jesus. And Scripture says many of them believed. Some didn't. Some were still searching. That There were many who came to Christ. And something I share with our students before we go on mission trips, how to, how to transition to that gospel conversation when you're talking to someone. Talk with them about their family. Talk with them about their interests. Ask them what they believe about God and then share the message. It's called firm, family, interest, religion, message. It's a great way to, to transition the conversation from what's general to what's specific about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice what the woman did in verses 28 through 30. 
says the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the men, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. She left the water jar that she brought at the well and her excitement for the living water that Jesus offered. She left her water jar that she brought to the well and her excitement for the living water that Jesus offered. She was willing to lay down the physical. She was willing to lay down the temporal for the eternal. And she immediately went to tell others. She did not hesitate. She understood the urgency of the gospel. And she wasn't going to let her reputation to keep her from sharing. Church, we must tell whoever. We must tell whenever. And we must tell wherever we have the opportunity to share the gospel because people's eternity is at stake. And we are not to let anything interfere with us sharing with others the good news of Jesus Christ. Second Peter 3, 9, God said that he wants no one to perish and for all to come to repentance. And if that's the heart of God, that should be our heart as well. So the first thing I want to share with you is we're going to share Jesus. We have to overcome barriers. The second thing comes from verses 31 to 34. Sharing Jesus is required if we want to do the will of God. The disciples, when they came back, they continued to urge Jesus to eat because he was thirsty and and hungry. But Jesus said he had more important matters to take care of. Jesus said that he was more interested in the conversation with the Samaritan woman than he was about food. And he decided to teach his disciples a lesson because he said, he said, I have food you do not even know about in verse 32. And the disciples didn't understand. The disciples, they were confused. They were thinking of literal food. And then they even came to the conclusion that while they were gone, that someone must have brought food to Jesus. They said in verse 33, could someone have brought him something to eat? Why is Jesus refusing the food that we offered? But in verse 34, Jesus set them straight. And he said this, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, Jesus said that his food was to depend on on the Father and do the work of the Father, the one who sent him. And throughout Jesus' life and throughout Jesus' ministry, that is exactly what he did. He submitted his life and his work to the will of the Father. And in the encounter with this Samaritan woman, Jesus was performing the Father's will. Jesus said this is what sustains him. This is what gives him satisfaction. It wasn't the physical food that gave Jesus satisfaction. It was the spiritual food that gave him satisfaction. And I think Jesus was thinking about Deuteronomy 8.3 when he said, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. If you remember, Jesus also used that verse when he was tempted by Satan in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. When Satan looked at Jesus in the wilderness and said, Jesus, I want you to turn these breads into, or they turn these stones into bread. And Jesus quoted this verse to Satan as well. And I think as Jesus was having this conversation with his disciples, this verse went through his mind as well that men doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Jesus chose the spiritual over the physical. And what he is showing is that the kingdom of God should have priority over everything else in our lives, even our bodily comforts. And just as Jesus desired to please the one who sent him, we should, be, we should desire to please the one who saved us. Our number one desire in our life should be to do the will of Jesus, to live a life of total submission to him and having a heart for the lost. In Luke 19.10, Jesus said the only reason he came was to seek and to save those who were lost. And if the lost are important to Jesus, they need to be important to us as well. You know, we can do all these great things for God. We can have all these nice buildings we want. We can give as much as we want. We can read the Bible as much as we want. We can be faithful to church as much as we want. But if we don't share Jesus with others, then the, all these other things we do mean absolutely nothing. If we want to please God with our lives and do His will, we must have compassion for the lost. We must tell others about Jesus. Romans 10, 14, and 15. Paul wrote, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know what Paul is saying? God is depending on us. And if people are going to come to Jesus, we are going to have to be the ones who tell them because otherwise, how can they hear? And if they don't hear about Jesus, how can they believe in Jesus? In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, God gave us the great commission to go and make disciples. The world is suffering some spiritual hurst and, and hunger. The world is suffering some spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. And it's up to us to introduce them to the bread of life. It's up to us to introduce them to the living water, Jesus, so that they will never hunger or never thirst again. The third thing I want to share with you is sharing Jesus requires effort. We have to overcome barriers. And it requires effort in verses 35 to 38. And look at what Jesus said in verse 35. He said, don't you say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Jesus is saying, you always say there's four months from sowing until the harvest, meaning the harvest can't be rushed. But he's saying, look, the seed is already sown, and the harvest is already here. What did Jesus mean when he said the seed's been sown and the harvest is already here? He's referring to the fact that he had just had a conversation with the Samaritan woman, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christ, that he was the living water. That's the seed that was sown. And now this woman went to tell others in the town of Zakar of what happened to her and what Jesus did for her. He can do for them. And that is what Jesus meant when he said the harvest is here already. And what's interesting to me is Jesus himself is involved in the harvest. Jesus himself is engaged in the harvest. He was the sower. And now the disciples have the opportunity to receive wages. Not talking about physical wages, but talking about the joy of working for him and seeing people to come, not to, come to know him and see a harvest of believers. 
And if we're going to be followers of Christ, and if we're going to follow the example of Christ, we also have to be engaged in the harvest for Christ. And just as Jesus told the disciples in verse 35 to open their eyes and look at the fields, for they're ready for the harvest, we need to open our eyes. We need to look at the fields, and we need to be ready to harvest them as well. In our world, people are searching and seeking for hope. We have what they're searching for. We have the answer. And if we have the answer, why would we keep the answer from them? And I'm sure you've heard the analogy that if you had the cure of cancer, wouldn't you share it with someone? Of course you would. Why? Because you wouldn't want someone to suffer from that dreadful disease. You wouldn't want someone to have to go through the terrible treatments of chemo and radiation, and you would share with them the cure for cancer if you had it. But you know what? People have something worse than cancer. It's called sin. Sin is the great disease that if it's not cured, will kill them for eternity and spend life separated from God in hell. And if we have the cure for sin, which we do, which is Jesus, we should be willing to share it with others. So they won't have to face the wrath and the punishment of God. You see, gathering the harvest is a picture of sowing and reaping coming together. Someone has to plant the seed. Someone has to gather the crop. And both of these take time and take work. Sowing and reaping is needed if a, harv- if a crop is going to be harvested. If someone didn't sow, no one could reap. And if no one reaps, what the sower did was in vain. You see, the sower labors in anticipation of what is to come, looks forward to the harvest. The reaper, the one who reaps, must never forget that the harvest he enjoys is the result of someone else's work. And this is how evangelism works. Sowing and reaping going go together. And just like farming, evangelism and reaping or sowing, it doesn't always yield immediate results. Evangelism is hard work. Evangelism takes effort. Evangelism takes patience. Evangelism takes perseverance. Evangelism takes diligence. And when we evangelize, we can't get discouraged. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I'll briefly summarize. In verse 2, Paul says to Timothy, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. And then in verse 4, he says, Endure hardship, do the work of evangelists. If we're going to see people come to Christ, we have to persevere in sharing Christ. Because most people are not going to come to Jesus on their own. And most people aren't going to come to know Jesus the first time that we share. And usually when we lead someone to Christ, we benefit from someone else's work. Do you realize that it takes a person seven times to hear the gospel before they make the decision to receive Christ? It takes a person seven times on average to hear the gospel before they make the decision to give their lives to Christ. And I've heard, and I'm sure you've heard, there are missionaries who have toiled and toiled for years before they saw one person come to know Christ. If we're going to see people come to know Jesus, 
We have to be willing to do the work and put in the effort. We have to be willing to persevere and not give up and not be discouraged. And Jesus told the disciples, he said that that you have to realize the success in reaping depends on the work of those who have gone before. In verse 38, he said this, I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Jesus is referring to the fact, he's saying, guys, there's been people who've gone before you. There were the Old Testament prophets who went before you. There was John the Baptist who went before you. They've laid the groundwork. They've sowed the seed. Now it's up to you to reap the harvest. You see, the disciples were going to benefit from the work of those who've gone before them. And what's interesting, if you turn to Acts chapter 4, or Acts 8, verses 4 through 8, where Philip evangelized to the Ethiopian eunuch, it was probably right here in this spot where Jesus met the woman at the well or very close to it. You see, reaping and sowing are necessary for someone to come to know Christ. And a successful harvest takes work. It takes effort. It takes a passion for the lost. It takes excitement for Jesus. I ask you this morning, what are you willing to do to bring people to Christ? What effort are you willing to put in to bring people to Jesus? And quickly, I want to share the last thing. Sharing Jesus is required for extending the kingdom of God. If we want to see the kingdom of God grow, we have to be willing to put in the work. We have to be willing to overcome the barriers. And if you want to share with someone the difference that Jesus has made in your life, You better make sure that the gospel has changed your life. And you better make sure the gospel is changing your life because you can't tell someone about God, about their need to love God if you're not loving God. You can't tell someone they need to follow Jesus if you're not following Jesus. Why is that important? Because this woman at the well, when she went to tell those people in the town of Zychar about what happened, They knew her reputation. They knew who she was. They knew how she lived her life. And now they saw the difference that Jesus had made in her life. And they wanted what she had. If we want to extend the kingdom of God, we have to have the desire for people to want what we have as well. It's just not about sharing with our lips or sharing with our lives. We have to share with our lips and our lives if we want to extend the kingdom of God. Of God. And this woman, she couldn't contain her excitement about what Jesus did for her. What Jesus did in her life, it was overflowing from her life. It was like a fountain that she couldn't contain. She was excited about what Jesus did. You know what? In life, we get excited about a lot of things. We like to get excited about vacation, we get excited about sports. We get excited about all these things. But the one thing we should get excited about the most is Jesus Christ. We need to get excited about what matters. We need to get excited that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we need to go and tell everybody that what Jesus has done for us, He can do for them. And look what happened next. It was incredible in verses 40 to 42. The Samaritans invited Jesus, a Jew, to stay with them for several days. 
a couple of days. They invited Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, to come spend time with them. And because of that, Scripture says, many more came to believe. You see, because of the words of Jesus, the harvest grew. The kingdom of God was extended. And by this one woman's testimony, Scripture says that many came to know Jesus as the Savior of the world. And if God can use a Samaritan woman whose life was in shambles to tell others about Jesus, He can use us as well. We should be excited like this woman to tell others that Jesus can change their lives, that He is the Savior of the world, that He is their only hope. Unfortunately, excitement about Jesus is something that's lacking in a lot of churches in the lives of a lot of believers. Case in point, 2019, 3,000 Protestant churches were started. That sounds great. 4,500 Protestant churches closed their doors. Another study showed that from 2011 to 2020, anywhere from 3,850 to 7,700 houses of worship were closed each year in the United States. 75 to 150 churches were closed each week in the United States from 2011 to 2020. In 2019, the Southern Baptist Convention reported a decline in membership for the 14th consecutive year. The drop of 287,000 was the largest single drop in more than 100 years. And for the ninth consecutive year, baptism declined at a rate of more than 4%. With those statistics, I'm sad to say a lot of people aren't excited about Jesus. In an article I just read yesterday from Christian Post said that 70% of born-again believers believe that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. 70% of born-again believers. You know what the problem with that is? If, If you don't believe Jesus is the only way, you're discounting the words of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're discounting Acts 4.12 when when Paul wrote that there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved except Jesus Christ. And if you don't think Jesus is the only way to heaven, there's no need for missions, there's no need for evangelism. If there's no need for missions and no need for evangelism, there's going to be no growth in the kingdom of God. 70% of born-again believers believe that there's more than one way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. The other problem is churches have become more outward focused or more inward focused than outward focused. And my desire is that we here at Red House Baptist Church will become more outward focused than inward focused. We have a great opportunity with upward basketball starting. Mike gave me updated numbers. 281 players, 66 cheerleaders before the service. We need help. And here's the neat thing. We have people coming to our building to hear about Jesus through basketball. We don't have to go anywhere. They're coming here. We're going to have over 1,000 people a week come through our doors every single weekend. And we need Red House Baptist Church to be involved in the upward program if we're going to call it a program of Red House Baptist Church. My desire is maybe some of you, God would lay on your heart to be up here on Saturdays engaging the people, connecting the people that are sitting in the stands and going to the concession stand. Maybe God's calling you to be a cheerleader coach. He's not calling me to do that. Maybe he's calling you. I know that's one thing God's not calling me to do. 
He might be calling you to do that. But what an opportunity we have to impact the kingdom of God through upward basketball. What other ministry can you get over a season over 10,000 people coming through your doors? There's not one single one. And what I want to do is during the season, I want to contact and visit people who aren't part of a church instead of waiting till after the season is over and start building that relationship and that connection right now. We also have an opportunity through the KBC and the Takes Creek Baptist Association to begin a partnership with churches in Cincinnati. We're going to be looking into that as well. But if we want to share Jesus, we have to extend the kingdom of God. And, and first, we have to believe that Jesus is the only way. And second, we have to become more outward-focused than inward-focused. See, the only way the kingdom of God is going to grow is if we as the people of God have a passion for the lost and excitement for Jesus and a willingness to share our faith in what God has done for us. So this morning I ask you, how far are you willing to go to share Jesus? Are you willing to overcome barriers? Are you willing to put in the effort? Are you willing to do the will of God? Are you willing to do what is necessary to see the kingdom of God grow? It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. In Matthew 9, 35-38, Jesus said that he had compassion on the lost. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask God to give you his heart for the lost this morning. Remember that the harvest is here. Remember that the fields are ready. And remember that the time to share Jesus is now. And if we want to become the people in the church that God wants us to be, we have to be about sharing Jesus and spreading the gospel. And if we want our church to grow, and if we want to grow, we have to be willing to do the work. So I ask you this morning, what are we waiting for? Let's pray. Father, I just come before you this morning, and I just thank you for your word, and and just thank you for your truth. And Father, we know that the fields are ready to be harvested. We know that the seeds have been planted. And Father, I pray that we would be just like this Samaritan woman, that we would be willing to go and tell others with excitement about what you've done for us. God, help us to overcome the barriers that we might think might be in our way. Help us to be willing to put in the effort. Help us to be willing to do your will. Father, help us to be willing to extend your kingdom so that no one who passes from this life to the next will spend eternity without you. And Father, if there's someone here this morning who's never given their life to you, I pray this morning they would say, I want to follow Jesus. Father, we never know when we'll take our last breath. And Father, if someone's here this morning, they don't know you. They don't know when they're going to take their last breath or when you're going to return. And I pray this morning, God, that they would be willing to give their life to you. Father, for those of us who've made that decision to give our lives to you, Father. I pray that we would think about, Lord, where's our heart? Father, I pray that we would ask ourselves, do we have the same compassion for the lost that you do? And Father, maybe there are some here today that need to come and pray at this altar and, and pray for you to give them the heart for the lost that you have. Maybe they need to come to pray for lost family members and lost friends. Maybe they need to come and pray for opportunities to share you with others. 
God, maybe they need to come and pray for the lost in our community and the lost in our nation. God, whatever you laid on the hearts of people this morning that are here, God, I pray they would be willing to follow you in obedience. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for this time that we've had in your word. And it's your name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I'll be down here in the front. I'd love to share with you how you can come to know him. Or maybe God's laid it on your heart to come and pray for someone you know that's lost and needs Jesus. Or maybe God wants you to come and pray and get your heart right with him so you can share him with others. Whatever you need to do as we sing this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing?